Hello, I'm Kristen Marchand, and this is the Apiango Line, your ready resource for all things of a cultural nature here in the Upper Ottawa Valley. Today, we're joined by Leslie Betts, Kathy Chapesky, Rob Filipkowski, Brian and Carol Peterson, all members of the Apiango Readers Theatre. They're here to regale us for the next hour or so with something delightfully rude, the poetry of William Henry Drummond. Now, before you get your knickers in a twist and join that army of one who thinks William Henry Drummond is passé, cliché, or downright rude, we'd like to remind you that we here in the Upper Ottawa Valley have a special place in our hearts for old Billy Drummond. For it was Mr. Drummond who decided back near the end of the 19th century to give voice to those otherwise voiceless parts of rural Canada. Now, in his case, he chose as his métier, so to speak, a study of how certain rural folk actually speak the Queen's English, namely the habitants, voyageurs, and courier de bois of rural Quebec. Well, we think there's nothing wrong with that, given they're rural folk, and they probably have something important to say. Only a certain urbane literary critic, who shall remain nameless, once chastised Mr. Drummond's poetry for its apparent condescension, and that critic went even further and suggested William Henry Drummond was making fun of those poor Quebecois folk. We beg to differ. Mr. Drummond, if you listen to the next hour closely enough, was doing no such thing. He was making fun of no one, and he certainly did not take a condescending view of any rural folk in Quebec or elsewhere. In fact, William Henry Drummond shows remarkable respect and admiration towards habitants, voyageurs, and courier de bois. Yes, we admit, he quotes them accurately enough as they seemingly struggle to use the Queen's English in what turns out to be thoroughly imaginative ways. In fact, we'd go so far as to suggest that he was ahead of his time. Only a few decades after William Henry Drummond put Canada on the literary map, Another one of his fellow countrymen from Ireland, James Joyce, cottoned on to Drummond's Canadian idea and began chopping up the Oxford English Dictionary to a point where some people today still don't recognize the beauty and achievement of Mr. Joyce. In fact, some people even attempted to ban Mr. Joyce's famous book, Ulysses, with its even more famous 20-page sentence. They even took him to court and charged him with obscenity. Now that's condescension. No such thing ever happened to William Henry Drummond. Most people just thought he was delightfully rude, as he seemingly made fun of certain Quebecois accents. But we honestly don't think that was ever his intention, nor the effect on anyone who really listens closely to what William Henry Drummond is saying in his poetry through the voices of his habitant characters. And we here in the Upper Ottawa Valley know something of what we speak, Like many Quebecois, or people raised in Newfoundland, Cape Breton, or the Red River Valley, we've often been told we talk funny here in the Upper Ottawa Valley, or at the very least, not like the urban sophisticates in the rest of Canada's heartland. It's been often said, as a matter of fact, that we speak with a very noticeable Ottawa Valley twang, or brogue. Sometimes urban folk who pass through our area as tourists even will ask us to say something, or repeat something, usually about how we use number nine binder twine to folly the cows down to carp. Well, we don't find that offensive or condescending. 
In fact, we think the rest of the world would do well to learn a thing or two about how to speak English like the good folks in the Ottawa Valley, the Red River Valley, Lunenburg, Newfoundland, or Quebec. Or as we like to say, it's a dang slippy slope for some of you's eggheads to be making fun of us for living back of the beyond and not knowing we got enough front parlor palaver to join any gab fest anywhere, mind you. That being said, it's time to get on with our show. William Henry Drummond was born in Mohill County, Leitrim, Ireland, in 1854. But with the publication of his first book of poetry in 1897, he became one of the most popular authors in the English-speaking world, and one of the most widely read and loved poets in all of Canada. Not bad for a guy who had emigrated with his parents when he was only 10 years old and settled in Montreal. Yet barely two years later, his father died, leaving the family scrambling. William and his younger brothers feverishly delivered newspapers to help their mother financially, and when he was 14, he began apprenticing as a telegraph operator, a job that would eventually send him into rural Quebec. It was there that he first encountered the unique language of the habitant and voyageur who so greatly fired his imagination. By the time he was 22 years old, his mother and younger siblings were back on their feet. So, William Henry Drummond headed back to high school, having been forced to drop out when he was 14. He then studied medicine at McGill and later bishops in the eastern townships, where he eventually set up a medical practice. By 1893, he had become a professor of hygiene and later a professor of medical jurisprudence. Only then did he get married and begin raising his own family, though not without heartbreak. His firstborn son died shortly after birth, but his second son, Charles Barkley, was born in July 1897, just days before the publication of Mr. Drummond's first book, The Habitant and Other French-Canadian Poems. It was a literary event that would make him famous around the world, although most of his poems had been inspired by his days in rural Quebec. A prominent French-Canadian poet, Louis Frechette, reviewed an advanced copy, and was so impressed with Drummond's inventive style, he passed it along to that great American poet, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. And it was Longfellow who credited Drummond with becoming a pathfinder to a new land of song. Frechette himself went on to write an appreciative introduction in French for Drummond's new book that went on to sell nearly 40,000 copies during the author's lifetime. So let's get to Mr. Drummond's poetry and, in particular, a short little ditty with no title that opens that first book. It operates not so much as an apology for taking liberties with the language of his beloved habitant and voyageur, but somewhat as a warning to those few isolated urban critics who willfully misinterpret his words and his artistic intent. Remember, when these tales you read of rude but honest canayen that Joliette La Verandrie, La Salle, Marquette, and Hennepin were all true Canadiens themselves, and in their veins the same red stream. The conquering blood of Normandy flowed strong and gave America courier de bois and voyageur whose trail extends from sea to sea. Probably no one poem epitomizes Drummond's admiration for his beloved habitants and their wildly inventive use of language than one poem that remains popular in many quarters even today. Here's Leslie Betts with The Wreck of the Julie Plant, a legend of Lac Saint-Pierre. On one dark night on Lac Saint-Pierre, the wind, she blow, blow, blow. 
and a crew of the wood scow Julie Plante got scared and run below. For the wind, she blow like hurricane. By my by, she blow some more. And the scow bus up on Lac Saint-Pierre, one arpent from the shore. The captain walk on the front deck and walk the hind deck too. He called the crew from up the hole. He called the cook also. The cook, she's name was Rosie. She come from Montréal. Was chambre maid on lumber barge on the Grand Lachine Canal. The wind, she blow from north, east, west. The south wind, she blow too. When Rosie cry, Mon cher captain, mon cher, what I shall do? Then the captain throw the big anchor, but still the scow she drief. The crew, he can't pass on the shore because he lost his skiff. The night was dark like one black cat. The wave run high and fast. When the captain take the rosy girl and tie her to the mass. Then he also tack the life preserve and jump off on the lack and say, Goodbye, my rosy dear. I go drown for your sake. Next morning, very early, about half past two, three, four, the captain, scow, and the poor rosy was corpses on the shore. For the wind, she blow like hurricane. By my by, she blow some more. And the scow bus up on Lac Saint-Pierre, one arpent from the shore. Now, all good wood scow sailor man take warning by that storm and go and marry some nice French girl and leave on one big farm. The wind can blow like hurricane and suppose she blow some more. You can't get drowned on Lac Saint-Pierre so long you stay on shore. A common misconception of William Henry Drummond suggests that he only wrote poetry using Quebecois dialect. Nothing could be further from the truth. William Henry Drummond was a consummate artist with a classic turn of phrase and a keen and vivid imagination. Here is Kathy Chepesky with one of his best, simply called Memories. O oh, spirit of the mountain that speaks to us tonight, your voice is sad yet still recalls past visions of delight. When mid the grand old Laurentides, old when the earth was new, with flying feet we followed the moose and caribou. And backward rush sweet memories like fragments of a dream. We hear the dip of paddle blades, the ripple of the stream, the mad, mad rush of frightened wings from break and covert start the breathing of the woodland, the throb of nature's heart. Once more beneath our eager feet the forest carpet springs. We march through gloomy valleys where the vesper sparrow sings. The little minstrel heeds us not, nor stays his plaintive song, as with our brave coeur de bois we swiftly pass along. Again o'er dark Wyagamac in bark canoe we glide, and watch the shades of evening glance along the mountain side. Anon we hear resounding the wizard loon's wild cry, and mark the distant peak whereon the lingering echoes die. But spirit of the Northland, let the winter breezes blow, and cover every giant crag with rifts of driving snow. Freeze every leaping torrent, bind all the crystal lakes, tell us of fiercer pleasures when the storm king awakes. And now the vision changes, the winds are loud and shrill, the falling flakes are shrouding the mountain and the hill. But safe within our snug cabane with comrades gathered near, we set the rafters ringing with roulant and brigadier. 
Then after Pierre and Telesphore have danced Le Caribou, some hardy trapper tells a tale of the dreaded Lou Garou, or phantom bark in moonlit heavens with prow turned to the east, bringing the western voyagers to join the Christmas feast. And while each backwoods troubadour is greeted with huzzah, slowly the homely incense of tabac canayenne rises and sheds its perfume like flowers of Araby, or all the true-born loyal enfants de la patrie. And thus with song and story, with laugh and jest and shout, we heed not dropping mercury nor storms that rage without, but pile the huge logs higher till the chimney roars with glee and banish spectral visions with la chanson Normandie. Brigadier répondit Pandore, Brigadier vous avez raison, Brigadier répondit Pandore, Brigadier vous avez raison. O spirit of the mountain that speaks to us tonight, return again and bring us new dreams of past delight. And while our heart throbs linger and till our pulses cease, we'll worship thee among the hills where flows the St. Maurice. Another misconception centers on his often light-hearted sense of humor, as if to suggest that he could never be serious or dramatic behind a wall of such fractured English. Again, nothing could be further from the truth. Here's Leslie Betts with Palang, a poem both humorous yet tragic. I think of you, think of you night and day. Don't make no difference, seems to me, the long, long time you're gone away. The snow is deep on the Grand Montagne, like thunder the rapid roar below. The same kind that my boy get lost some big, big storm forty year ago. And I never was here to wind blow hard and the snow come swish on the window pane. But everything peer like it's yesterday, and whole of my trub is come back again. Ah, me, I was foolish young girl then. It's only my own plaisir I care. And when some dance or soiree come off, that's very sure thing you will see me there. Don't got too much sense at all that time. Run every place on the whole country. But I change big lot when Palang come long, for I love him so well. Kind of steady me. And he was the best boy on Koto, and think I am the best girl too, for sure. He's told me that give the ring also was say on the inside, je t'aime toujours. I give him some hair that come off my head and mat the nice stocking for warm his feet. So everything's fixed when the spring is come for make Marie on the church too sweet. When the spring is come, ah, uh, I don't see that. Though the year is past as they passed before and the season come and the season go. But our spring never was come no more. It's on the fete of the jour de laine, and the world outside is cold and white. As I sit and watch for mon cher Pelang, for his promise come see me this very night. Bonhomme Pelequin, that is live near us, he's always keep looking upon the moon, see funny thing there only week before, and say he's expect some big storm soon. So my father is make it the laugh on me. Palang, he's believe him, the old bonhomme, that think he see everything on the moon, and maybe he's feel it too scare for come. But I don't speak nothing. I am so sure of the promise Palang is mac with me, and the most big storm that is never blow can't keep him away from his own Marie. I open the door and pass outside, for see myself how the night is look, 
and a star is commenced for Gokushé, the mountain also is put on his toque. No sooner I come on the house again where everything feel it so nice and warm, than out of the sky come the nori's wind, out of the sky come the big snowstorm. Blow like nothing I never see, blow like le diable he was make grand tour. The snow come down like one avalanche, and cold, mon dieu, it is cold for sure. I think, I think of mon pauvre garçon that's out maybe on the Grand Montagne. So I play chandelle where it's give good light and pray le bon Dieu he will help Pelang. The old folk think I'm go crazy and mother she's give me the good night kiss. She say, go off on your bed, Marie. There's nobody come on the storm like this. But my eye don't close that long, long night for it seemed just like phantom is near. And I think of the terrible loop garou and all the bad story I often hear. There was time I am sure something call Marie. So plainly I opened the outside door, but it's meet me only the awful storm and the cry pass away. Don't come no more. And the morning sun, when he's up at last, find me white as the face of the snow itself. For I know very well on the Grand Montagne, my poor Palang, he's come dead himself. It's noon by the clock when the storm blow off and my father and brother start out for sea any track on the snow by the mountainside or down on the place where Shamin should be. No sign at all on the Grand Montagne. No sign all over the white, white snow. Only hear the wind on the big pine tree and roar of the rapid down below. And where is he lie, mon cher Palang? Palang, my boy, I was loved so well. Only le bon Dieu up above and maybe the little snowbird can tell. And I think I hear the little bird say, Wait till the snow is give up its dead. Wait till I go and the robin come. And then you will find his cool, cool bed. And it's all come true. For when the sun is warm the side of the Grand Montagne and drive away all the winter snow, we find him at last, mon cher Palang. And here on the fete of the Jour de l'Anne, alone by myself, I sit again. While the big, big storm is blow outside and the snow comes swish on the window pan. Not all alone, for I think I hear the voice of my boy gone long ago. Can hear it above the hurricane and roar of the rapide down below. Yes, yes, Palang, mon cher garçon, I think of you, think of you night and day. Don't make no difference, it seems to me, how long the time you was gone away. Drummond does have a way of not quite giving us what we usually expect especially if we deal in stereotypes. He's very good at upsetting our expectations, if not ultimately changing the way we see things after hearing his words. Take this next poem read by Carol Peterson, entitled The Grand Seigneur. To the hut of the peasant, or lordly hall, to the heart of the king, or humblest thrall, sooner or late, love comes to all. And it came to the grand seigneur, my dear, it came to the Grand Seigneur. The robins were singing a roundelay, and the air was sweet with the breath of May. As a horseman rode through the forest way, 
And he was a grand seigneur, my dear. He was a grand seigneur. Lord of the manor, Count Belfontaine, had spurred over many a stormy plain with gallants of France at his bridal reign, for he was a brave cavalier, my dear. He was a brave cavalier. But the huntsman's daughter, La Belle Marie, held the knight's proud heart in captivity, and, oh, she was fair as the fleur-de-lis, though only a peasant maid, my dear, only a peasant maid. Through the woodland depths, on his charger gray, to the huntsman's cottage he rides away. And the maiden lists to a tale today that haughtiest dame might hear, my dear, that haughtiest dame might hear. But she cried, alas, it may never be, for my heart is pledged to the young Louis. And I love him, oh, sire, so tenderly, though he's only a Poor chasseur, my lord, only a poor chasseur. Enough, spake the knight with a courtly bow. Be true to thy lover and maiden vow, for virtue like thine is rare, I trow. And farewell to my dream of love and thee, farewell to my dream of thee. And they say the gallant Count Belfontaine bestowed on the couple a rich domain. But you never may hear such tale again. For he was a grand seigneur, my dear. He was a grand seigneur. Of course, William Henry Drummond is never very far away from the joy of the habitant, the spirit of the voyageur, or the rustic life of the courier de bois. Here's Brian Peterson with Drummond's Johnny Courtoux. Johnny Courtoux of the mountain. Johnny Courtoux of the hill. That was the boy can shoot the gun. That was the boy can jump and run. It's not very often you catch him steal. Johnny Courtoux. Ask them along the river. Ask them along the shore. Who was the most best fighting man? From Maginans to Cheyennegan. The place where the big rapids roar. Johnny Courtoux. Same thing along the Santee, upon the Mackinac. Who was the man can walk the log when all the river is black with fog and carried be Jesus' load on his back? Johnny Coteau. On the rapid you want to see him, and the raft she's swinging round, and he's yelling, Hurrah, Baptiste, good man! Why, the oar come doubled on his hand, and he make the raft go flying down. Johnny Coteau. And Tete de Bull, chief, can tell you, the feather what save his life, when the big moose catch him up a tree, and shoot that moose on the head, suspree, and then off he run with his engine's wife, Johnny Couteau. And he only have a pike paw, with him up on Lac de Tour, when he meet the bear coming down the hill, and the bear very soon, he is fell, and sold that skin for ten dollars too, Johnny Couteau. And he never was scared for nothing, like on the old courier de bois. And when he's getting his winter's pay, and his thing to sure to skip out of his way, and he's going right off on the hip hip hooray, Johnny Couteau. Then pulling his sash around him, he dances his battle savage, and he shout, Oh boy, you want to fight? Wait, you can never see a finer sight. And when he go like that in the whole village, Johnny Couteau. 
But Johnny Coteau get married on Philomene Bear Pro. She's a nice little girl that runs the school on what you call the parish of St. Ursul. And he sees her off on the pick nine dare, Johnny Coteau. Then something come over Johnny when he marry old Philomene, for he stay on the farm for the whole year round, and he chopped the wood and he plowed the ground. And he's quieter fella was never seen, Johnny Coteau. And everyone feel astonished from La Touque de Sherwin again when they hear the news was going around along the river up and down. Now what little woman bossed that big man around, Johnny Coteau. He never come out in the evening, no matter how hard we try, cause he stay in the kitchen and he sing his songs. La Claire Fontaine, Menamon Pamer, Je trouve Zine de Belle, Que c'est malin sous vous Louis Lanton, Que je t'aime, J'aime je t'aime le bigote. Rock in the cradle for the whole night long, till the baby's asleep on the sweet bye-bye, and the house, oh wah, I wish you see, the place so nice and clean. <laughs> Must wipe your foot on the outside door. You're a dead man if you spit on the floor. And he say nothing more on Philomene. Johnny Coteau. And Philomene watched the money and put it all safe away. On very good place. I don't know where. And anyhow nobody see it there. And she's buying a new farm another day. Madame Coteau. Even if you're not a fan of dialect poetry, Drummond often rises to the call of Wordsworth Coleridge, and those other immortal nature poets of the English literary tradition. Only Drummond takes note of nature in a uniquely Canadian way. Here's Kathy Chepesky with Autumn. In dreams of the night I hear the call of wild ducks scudding across the lake. In dreams I see the old convent wall where Ottawa's waters surge and break. But Hercule awakes me ere the sun has painted the eastern skies with gold. Hercule, true knight of the rod and gun, as ever lived in the days of old. Arise, though the moon hangs high above, the sun will soon usher in the day, and the southerly wind that sportsmen love is blowing across St. Louis Bay. The wind is moaning among the trees, along the shore where the shadows lie, and faintly borne on the freshening breeze, from yonder point comes the wild loon's cry. Like diamonds flashing athwart the tide, the dancing moonbeams quiver and glow, as out on the deep we swiftly glide to our distant Mecca, Il Perrault. Il Perrault far to the southward lies, Point Claire on the lee we leave behind, and eager we gaze with longing eyes for faintest sign of the deadly blind. Past the point where Ottawa's current flows, a league from St. Lawrence golden sands, out in the bay where the wild grass grows, we mark the spot where our ambush stands. We enter it just as the crimson flush of morn illumines the hills with light, and patiently wait the first mad rush of pinions soaring in airy flight. A rustle of wings from over there, where all night long on watery bed the flocks have slept, and the morning air rings with the messenger of lead. Many a pilgrim from far away, many a stranger from distant seas, is dying today on St. Louis Bay to requiem sung by the southern breeze. And thus till the sound of the vesper bell comes stealing o'er Ottawa's dusky stream, and the ancient lighthouse we know so well lights up the tide with its friendly gleam. Then up with the anchor and ply the oar, for homeward again our course must bear. Farewell to the blind by Il Perot's shore, and welcome the harbour of old Point Clare. 
Yet, Drummond will often go where angels fear to tread. Take this poem called Dreams, read by Rob Filipkowski. Bordapluf, Bordapluf, what do I see when I dream of you? A shore where the water is racing by. A small boy looking and wondering why he can't get feather for going fly, like the hawk making ring on the summer sky. That's what I see. Bordapluf, Bordapluf, what do I hear when I dream of you? Too many things for sleeping well. The song of the old-time carriole bell, the voice of that girl from Saint-Angel. I give her a ring, was marked Fidel. That's what I hear. Bordapluf, Bordapluf, what do I smoke when I dream of you? Havana cigar from across the sea and get them for nothing too? No, sirree. There's only one kind of tobacco for me, and it grow on the Riviere des Prairies. That's what I smoke. Bordapluf, Bordapluf, how do I feel when I think of you? Sick, sick for the old place way back there, and to sleep on my own little room upstairs. Where the ghosts on the chimney make me scare, I'd give more money than I can spare, that's how I feel. Bordapluf, Bordapluf, what will I do when I'm back with you? I'll buy the farm of Bonhomme Martel, long time he's been waiting a chance to sell. Then pass the next morning on Saint-Angel, and if she's not married, that girl, very well, that's what I'll do. Despite all the joie de vivre of Drummond's habitant poetry, there's always something sad, almost sinister, lurking in the poetic world that Drummond inhabits. He spurs his characters on to live life to its fullest, if only by reminding readers of all that has been, or might never be. Here is Brian Peterson with The Red Canoe. Uh, the wind is sleeping in the pine, uh, but all oh, the night is black, and all day long the loon bird cry, on Lac Weagamac. No light is shining by the shore for helping steer him true. When out and on the night, who belayed he take the red canoe? I hear the dip, dip, dip. Once more I hear the loon. I feel the breeze was showed away for a storm that's coming soon. And then the sky fly open with the lightning splitting through. And out beyond the point, I see the little red canoe. It's dark again, but listen, how across Wayagamack the thunder's roaring loud, and now the mountains answer back. I wonder with the noise like that he hear me, la bon Dieu, when on my knee I ask him save the little red canoe. Is that a voice so far away? It die upon my ear. I was only when was fooling me, and whispering Belzamir. Yes, yes, Ubelaid, you Belzamir, she's praying hard for you. And then again the lightning come. But where's the red canoe? They say I'm mad, them foolish folks, cause when the night is black, and when the wave like snowdrift come on Lackway Gagamack, I take the place where long ago we used to sit us to, and wait until the lightning bring the little red canoe. Ultimately, William Henry Drummond is a poet of infinite observation, shrewd perspective, and above all else, refreshing honesty about the beauty he saw all around him. Here is Rob Filipkowski with Old Dr. Fisset. Old Dr. Fisset of St. Anise, separate tonnerre, was lived long time. I'm sure he's got 90 years or so. Beat all on the parish, said Pierre Coteau, and day after day he worked all the same. 
that house on the hill, you can see it still. The same place he built the first time he come. Behind it, there's one little smart jardin, got plenty the best tobacco I am, with famous apple and big blue plum. And they're all right there, for the small boys care, no matter the apple look nice and red. For the small boy know if he's stealing some, then Dr. Fizet on dark night he come, and cut little fella right off his head. But when they was wrapped, and take off the cap, Monsieur le Docteur, he will say, Entre. Then all the boy pass on the jardin behind, where they eat most everything good they find, till they can't go on school nearly two, three day. But Dr. Fizet, not much fun he get, driving all over the whole country. And if the road she's bad, if the road she's good, when everything's drowned on the springtime flood, and working for nothing half time, maybe. Let her rain or snow, all he want to know is just if anyone's feeling sick. For Dr. Fizet is the old-fashioned kind. Doing good was the only thing on his mind, so he got no use for the politic. And he's careful, too, cause first thing he do, for fear there was danger some fever case, is take when he's come little whiskey show. Then, not her one, too, just before he go, He's so scared, carry fever around the place. On nice summer day, when we're making a, there's nothing more pleasant for us, I'm sure, than see the old man come jogging along, always singing some little song. And hear him say, Tiens, mes amis, bonjour. And when the cold rain was commenced again, and we're sitting at home on some warm corner, if we hear the buggy and see the light, tearing along through the black, black night, we know right off that's the old doctor. And he's smart horse, sure, what he called Faubourg. Every place on the parish he know them all. And you ought to see the nice way he go for fear he's upsetting upon the snow when old man's asleep on a carriole. I remember when poor Ormida Couture get sick on his place twenty mile away. And his boy Ovid, he was come raquette, what you call snowshoe, for Dr. Fizet. And doctor, he start with his horse and sleigh. All the night before, the big storm she roar. And most of the days the same also. The drift was piling up ten feet high. You can't see nothing this side of the sky. Nothing but one avalanche of snow. I'm hearing the bell when I go on the well for water the cattle on barn close by. But I only catch sight of his cheval blanc and his coonskin coat with the capuchon. And the storm take him off, just the same he fly. Must be le bon Dieu that is helping him too. Old Dr. Fizet and his horse, Faubourg. T'was something for splain me, well, I don't care. But somehow or another he's getting there. And saved the life, Ormida Couture. But it's same all way, like that every day. He never was spare himself, pour nous autres. He don't make much money, Dr. Fizet. And often the only thing he was get is the prayer of poor man and one bag of oat. Well, Dr. Fizet of St. said, he's not dead yet, and I'm pretty sure if you're passing that place about ten years more, you'd see him go round like he go before with the carriole and his horse, Fobo. Here's another one of those great nature poems, this one dedicated to his friends at the St. George Snowshoe Club. It's called The Old Pine Tree and is read by Carol Peterson. Listen, my child, 
said the old pine tree to the little one nestling near. For the storm clouds troop together tonight, and the wind of the north I hear. And perchance there may come some echo of the music of long ago, the music that rang when the white hosts sang, marching across the snow. Up and away, St. George, up through the mountain gorge, over the plain where the tempest blows and the great white flakes are flying, down the long narrow glen, faster, my merry men, follow the trail, though the shy moon hides, and deeply the drifts are lying. Ah, mother, the little pine tree replied, you are dreaming again tonight of ghostly visions and, and phantom forms that forever mock your sight. Tis true the moan of the winter wind comes to my listening ear. But the white host marching I cannot see, and their music I cannot hear. When the northern skies were all aflame, where the trembling banner swung, when up in the vaulted heavens the moon of the snowshoe hung, when the hurricane swept the hillside and the crested drifts ran high, those were the nights, said the old pine tree, the great white host marched by. And the storm grew fiercer, fiercer, and the snow went hissing past. But the little pine tree still listened, till she heard above the blast the music her mother loved to hear in the nights of the long ago, and saw in the forest the white-clad host marching across the snow. And loud they sang as they tramped along of the glorious bygone days, when valley and hill re-echoed the snowshore's hymn of praise till the shy moon gazed down smiling, and the north wind paused to hear, and the old pine tree felt young again as the little one nestling near. Up and away, St. George, up through the mountain gorge, over the plain where the tempest blows and the great white flakes are flying, down the long narrow glen, faster, my merry men, Follow the trail, though the shy moon hides, and deeply the drifts are lying. Here's another one of his dialect poems, Little Batisse, read by Brian Peterson. You bad little boy, not much you care about how busy you're keeping your old grandpere. Try stop you every day, chasing them ends around the A. Why don't you give him a chance to lay, little Batisse? Off on the field you follow the plow, but when you get tired, you scare the cow and sick to jog and they jump the wall so the milk ain't good for nothing at all and you're only five and a half this fall little batisse too sleepy for saying the prayer tonight never mind i suppose it'll be all right say them tomorrow ah there you go fast asleep in a minute or so and he'll stay like that to the rooster crow little batisse then wake us up right away too sweet looking for something more to eat making them think like that long-legged crane. Soon they swallow, they start again. I wonder your stomach don't get no pain, little Batisse. But see him there laying there in his bed? Look at that arm underneath his head. If he grow like that till he's twenty year, he'll be stronger than Louis Cyr and beat all the voyagers leaving here, little Batisse. Just feel the muscle along his back. Won't give him no much to the carrier pack. On the long portage and his size canoe, there's not much that thing that boy won't do. And he's got double-jointed on his body, too, little Patisse. But little Patisse, please don't forget, we'd rather you stay the small boy yet. 
So chase the chicken and make them scare. And do what you like with your old grandpere. For when you're big, feller, he won't be there. Little Patisse. For all you bird watchers, Drummond wrote what we think is the quintessential Canadian poem, an unabashed serenade of what many rural folk up here in the Ottawa Valley have always thought of as our true national bird, the Whiskey Jack. Here's Leslie Betts with the Canadian magpie. Most everyone lack the robin, and it's pleasant for hear him sing after the winter's over and is coming another spring. The snow's hardly off the mountain and it's cold too among the pine. But you know when he sing, the south wind is crowding him close behind. And maybe you hear the grosbeak sitting above the nest. And you see by the way he's going, the old man's doing his best, making the wife and baby happy as they can be. And proud he was come the father, such fine little family. The Goglo, of course, he's nicer than many the bird that fly. Don't know what we do without him. But often, I wonder why he can't stay quiet a minute like rest of the small oiseau and finish the song he's starting till wish and away he go. Got nothing to say again them, the Goglo and all the rest, except only they like the comfort and come when it suit them best. For soon as the summer's passing and leaf is begin to fall, you'll walk through the wood and meadow and never hear one bird call. But come with me on the winter on place where the big tree grow. The smoke of the log house chimney will tell you the way to go. And if you're not too unlucky, the whiskey jack there you'll see flying around the shanty. And that was the bird for me. You'll maybe not like his singing, though it's better than nothing too. For after he do his best, then what more can poor Johnny do? It's easy job sing on summer, the same as the Rossignol. But out of the door in the winter, just try it yourself, that's all. See him there, now he's coming hopping and hopping around when we start on the morning early for work till the sun go down. Throw him his piece of breakfast and hear him say, Merci bien, for he's fond of the pork, bagali, same as the canyon. The noise of the axe don't scare him. He stay with us all the day. And when he was feeling like it, ride home with the horse and sleigh. Then after we reach the shanty, he's waiting to see us back, jumping upon the log there, good little whiskey jack. So here's to the bird of winter wearing the coonskin coat. Whenever it's bird election, you bet he can get my vote. That's way I feel about it. Voyager, let her go today. Whiskey Jack, get ready. We drink you toujours à votre bonne santé. Bottom. The next poem, The Last Portage, read by Carol Peterson, has an emotional story behind it. In August 1904, Drummond's only daughter Moira was born, but the joy of that birth was too soon followed a month later by the death of Drummond's third son, William Harvey, aged three. The idea for this poem came to him in a dream he had on Christmas Eve, 1904. I'm sleeping last night when I dream a dream, and a wonderful one it seem. For I'm off on the road as I was never see, too long and hard for a man like me. So all he can only wait to call is sooner or later come to all. The night is dark and the portage dare, got plenty of log lying everywhere. 
black bush around the right and left, a step from the road and you lost yourself. The moon and the star above is gone, yet something tell me I must go on. And off in front of me as I go, light as a drief of the falling snow, who is that little boy dancing there? Can't see his white dress and curly hair, and almost touch him so near to me, in and out there among the tree. And then I'm hearing a voices say, Come along, father, don't mind away. The boss in the camp he send for you, so your little boy's going to guide you too. It's easy for me, for the road I know, cause I travel it many long year ago. And oh, mon Dieu, when he turn his head, I'm seeing the face of my boy is dead. Dead with the young blood in his vein, and there he's coming once more again, with the curly hair and the dark blue eye, so like the blue of the summer sky. And now no more for the road I care, and slippery log lying everywhere, the swamp and the valley, the mountain too, but climb it just as I used to do. Don't stop on the road, for I need no rest, no so long as I see the little white dress. And I follow it on, and once in a while he turn again with the baby smile and say, Dear father, I'm here, you see. We're both together, just you and me. Very dark to you, but to me it's light. The road we travel so far tonight. The boss and the camp where I always stay since ever the time I was go away. He welcomed the poorest man that call, but loved the little one best of all. So that's the reason I speak for you and come tonight for to bring you through. Like the young Jizu when he's here below, the face of my little son looked just so. Then off beyond on the bush I see the white dress fading among the tree. Was it a dream I dreamed last night? It's going away on the morning light. William Henry Drummond may have worked as a country doctor but he was very much a man of the world. He loved to travel Canada and indeed spent more than a few days on the Madawaska. Here's The Boy from Calabogie, read by Kathy Chepesky. He was 21 in April, 40 inches round the chest. A soupler or a better boy we'll never see again. And the way we cheered the lad when he started for the West, the town was like a holiday the time he took the train at Calabogie. Are you ever coming back with the fortune, little Dan, from the place they say the money's like the leaves upon the tree? If the mine and boss'll let me, as sure as I'm a man, the mother's Christmas turkey won't have to wait for me at Calabogie. And the letters he was writing to his mother from the West, sure everybody read them, and who could see the harm, telling how he'd keep the promise to come home and have a rest, and the money that was in them was enough to buy a farm at Calabogie. What is it makes the fever leave the weak and kill the strong? And who'd have thought our Danny would ever come to this? When the sister had to raise him and say, It won't be long till it's home, my lad. You're going to receive a mother's kiss at Calabogie. So we met our little Danny Christmas morning at the train, and we lifted up the long box without a word to say. Oh, such a boy as Danny we'll never see again, God forgive us. Twasn't much of a Merry Christmas Day at Calabogie. Calabogie in its 19th century lumber industry days was a grand old place that knew a thing or two about how to settle differences by stepping outside. Here's a poem that could have happened there or almost anywhere in rural Canada. It's called The Great Fight, 
and is read by Leslie Betts. Bad luck to fight on New Year's night and with your neighbor, man. But when you know the reason why I hit him hard on both his eye and kick him till he nearly die, I think you'll understand. If you could see my wife and me at home on Pigeon Bay, you'd say how nice they both agreed they must be first-class family and go to Sam as one, two, three. I know that's what you say. And New Year's Day on Pigeon Bay, you ought to see us then with parlor, fix it up so fine, spruce beer and whiskey, cake and wine, cigar and only very best kind for treating all our friends. But on the last New Year is past, the wind begin to rise. And snow, she drift in such a way when morning come, my wife, she say, there won't be many folk today or I'll be most surprised. We never see my wife and me so quiet New Year's Day. But very happy all the same and talk a lot about the time before she come to me, my femme, while kettle sing away. And as we talk, the good old clock go tick, tick on the wall. The cat's asleep upon the stair, the house is quiet everywhere, and Jean-Baptiste, his image there, is smiling over all. I buy that little Jean-Baptiste on Market Bon Secours. Two dollar and your money down, he's finest one for miles around, can hardly beat him on the town, and so I love him, sure. What's that I hear? But never fear, there's no one at the door. Yeah, sure enough, Joe Bellevo, and nearly smother with the snow. Entre, we're glad to see you, Joe. Why don't you come before? Bonjour, madame. Camille, your femme, she's younger every day. I hope the new year will be bright. I hope the baby feel all right. Don't wake you up too much at night. And that's what Joe, he say. He's so polite. It's only right we wish him everything that's good upon the world at all and give him two, three, what you call that fancy Yankee stuff? Highball. And then he start to sing. You don't know Joe? Well, you must know he's pretty full of life. And when he's going that way, Joe must take him little easy. So I don't say nothing when he go for start and kiss my wife. And up and down, they dance around and laugh and make the fun. For spree like that on New Year's Day, it's nothing mosh in Pigeon Bay. Beside, he's friend of me always, and so there's no harm done. I like to know just how it go that when we feel secure, nothing at all is going wrong and life is like a pleasant song. The devil's bound to come along and make some trouble, sure. For by my by, Joe cock his eye and see poor Jean-Baptiste and say right off, if I can show a better one at home, I'll go and drown me on the creek below. So that's the end of peace. This very day along the bay, they tell about the fight. Never was seen such bloody war on Pigeon Bay before, Bagor, and easy understand it, for the battle lasts all night. So hard we go that me and Joe get tired soon, and then we both sit down and take the rest for half a second, maybe less, and when the wind come on our chest, we start her up again. The houses shake like big earthquake the way we jump around, and people living far away, they listen hard, and then they say, it's all up sure which Pigeon Bay, she tumbled to the ground. 
'Twas bad enough the way we puffed, but when the stovepipe fall and all the smoke begin to tear right through the house and choke the air, and me and Joe can't see nowhere, that's very worst thing of all. It's not a joke, the modded smoke, that's what I'm telling you. But sure enough, it stopped the fight. It's easy killing Joe, all right. But what about the wife, all right? And maybe baby, too? A man that's brave should always save the woman she's his wife. That's first thing he must do. And when I open the door, Joe's running then. As hard as he can lick, my friend. So all hands save his life. And since the fight, they're all polite. They smile and touch the hat and say, I hope you're feeling pretty gay and no more fight on Pigeon Bay or else you'll kill a man someday. So what do you think of that? Of course, not everyone makes their mark with their fists. Some people do it with a lot more brains and a lot less pugilism. Here's Carol Peterson with Mebby. A quiet boy was Joe Bedott and no sign anywhere. Of anything at all he got is up to ordinaire. And when the teacher tell him go and take a holiday, for wake him up because he's slow, poor Joe would only say, well, maybe. Don't bother no one on the school, unless, unless they bother him. But all the scholar think he's fool or walking on a dream. So when they're closing on the spring, of course they're much surprised that Joe is taking everything of what you call the prize. And then the teacher say, Joseph, I know you're working hard, because when I am past myself, I see you on the yard. A splitting wood, no doubt you stay, and study half the night. And Joe, he speak the same old way, so quiet and polite, well, maybe... His father and his mother die and left him there alone with children small enough to cry and farm all rock and stone. But Joe is father mother too and work both day and night and clear the place, that's what he do and bring them up all right. The curé say, Joseph, you know, le bon Dieu's very good. He feed the small bird on the snow the caribou on the wood. But you deserve credit, too. I speak of this before. So Joe, he don't know what to do, and only say once more, well, maybe. And Joe, he leave for many year, and helping everyone, upon the parish far and near, till all his money's gone. And then the curé come again, with teardrop on his eye. He know for sure poor Joe, his friend, he's well prepared to die. Wow, Joe, the work you done will tell when you get up above. De good God, he will treat you well and give you all his love. De poor and sick down here below, I'm sure they'll not forget. And what you think he say, poor Joe? Drying his only breath? Wow, maybe... In Drummond's pantheon of Quebecois heroes, nobody stood higher than those intrepid paddlers of the fur trade. Here is Rob Filipkowski with the Voyageur. There's something stirring my blood tonight, on the night of the young new year. While the camp is warm and the fire is bright, and the bottle is close at hand, out on the river the north wind blow, down on the valleys the pile of snow, 
But what do we care so long we know we're safe on the log cabin? Drink to the health of your wife and girl, another one for your friend. Then give me a chance, for on all the world I've not many friends to spare. I'm born where the mountains scrape the sky, and bone of my father and mother lie. So I fill the glass and I raise it high, and drink to the voyageur. For this is the night of the Jour de l'An, when the man of the Grand Nord-West think of his home on the Saint-Laurent, and friend he may never see. Gone he is now, and the big canoe, no more you'll see with the red-shirt crew. But long as he live, he was always true, so we'll drink to his memory. Ask him the north wind, what he see, of the voyager long ago. And he'll say to you what he say to me, so listen his story well. I see the track of his bot sauvage, on many a ill and long portage, far, far away from his own village, and sound the parish bell. I never can play on the Hudson Bay, or mountain that lie between, but I meet him singing his lonely way, the happiest man I know. I cool his face as he's sleeping there under the star of the Red Riviere, and off on the home of the great white bear, I'm seeing his dog, Treno. The woman and children's running out on the wigwam of the Cree. The little papoose, they laugh and shout when the sound of his voice they hear. The oldest warrior of the Sioux. Kill himself dancing the whole night through, and the Blackfoot girl remember too, the old-time voyageur. The blaze of his camp on the snow I see, and I listen his en roulant, on the land where the reindeer travel free, ringing out strong and clear. Often the grey wolf sit before, the light is come from his open door, and caribou follow along the shore, the song of the voyageur. If he only keep going, the red centure. I'd see it upon the pole. Some morn I'm starting upon the tour for blowing the world around. But wherever he sail and wherever he ride, the trail is long and the trail is wide. And city and town on every side can tell of his camping ground. So that's the reason I drink tonight to the man of the Grand Norwest. For his heart was young and his heart was light, so long as he's living there. I'm proud of the same blood in my vein. I'm a son of the north wind once again, so we'll fill her up till the bottles drain and drink to the voyageur. Hats off to those mighty paddlers, but William Henry Drummond never forgot the hard-pressed little man. Here's Brian Peterson with Baptiste, the lucky man. He's always catching dory, and he's always catching trout, on the place where no one else can catch at all. He's always catching barbet. That's what you call bullpout. And he never misses the wild duck in the fall. Oh, the partridge do some skipping when she sees him on the swamp. For she knows Batiste don't go for nothing there. And the rabbit, if he's coming, wah, you ought to see him jump. Why he want to climb the tree, he feels so scared. After two hours by the river, I hear his little song. Then I meet him, all his pockets full of snipe. <laughs> and me, I go the same place, and I tramp the whole day long and I'm only shooting two or three, by cripe. I start about the sunrise, and I put out my decoy, and I see Batiste, he sneak along the shore, and before it's coming breakfast, he's hollering on his boys for to come and carry home two dozen duck or more. And I'm freezing in the blind me from four o'clock to nine, and every duck she's passing up so high, there's bluebill and there's butterball, and redhead, these fine kind, and me, I might as well go shooting on the sky. 
Don't see no fella luckier than Baptiste was lucky man. He can catch the smartest fish that ever swam. And the bird he seldom missed them. Let them try as hard they can. Why the eagle on the mountain can't fly away from him. But all the bird and fish too is given up feeling scare. And the rabbit he can stay home in bed. For he fish and shoot no longer. Oh Jean-Baptiste Belair cause he dead. Ultimately, William Henry Drummond knew that big man or small, mighty seigneur or little Baptiste, all humans crave the same thing, a place to call home. Here's My Little Cabane, read by Rob Filipkowski. I'm sitting tonight on my little cabane, more happier than the king, and every corner's ringing out with the music the old stove sing. I hear the cry of the winter wind, for the storm gates open wide, but I don't care nothing for wind or storm, so long I was safe inside. Bien si, mon chien, put your head on there, let your nose rest on my knee. You remember the time we chased the moose back on the lac Souris, and the snow come down, and we lose ourselves till morning is bring the light. You think we got place to sleep, mon chien, like the place we got here tonight? Under the roof of the little cabane where fire she's blazing high, and bed I make of the spruce tree branches lie on the floor close by. Oh, I like the smell of that nice fresh bed, and I dream of the summertime, and the spot where the big trout jump so much, down by the lumber dam. But listen that wind, now she scream outside, make me think of the loup-garou. Why, tonight, mon chien, I be feeling glad, even if the carcajou don't catch itself on the trap I set today on the lac Souris. Let him wait till tomorrow, and then, if he like, I give him good chance, Sapri. I see big cloud when I'm out today, off on the nor'east sky, and she blocked the road so the cloud behind don't get a chance passing by. And I think of boom on the Grand Riviere, when logs filling up the bay, well, same as the boom on the springtime flood, that cloud she was sweep away. Them logs very nice and quiet, so long as the boom's all right. But soon as the boom give way, l'enfant, it's then is begin the fight. They run the rapid and jump the rock. They leap on the air and dive. Can hear them roar from the river shore, just like they was all alive. And that was the way with the cloud today. The rest of them push aside, for they're coming fast from the cold nor'east, and away through the sky they ride. Shaking the snow as long they go, like grain from the farmer's hand. To tomorrow you can't see nothing at all but the smoke of the little cabane. I'm glad we don't got no chimney, only oil on the roof up there, and spark fly off on the whole of the world, so there's no use getting scare. Must get more log, and it's lucky too the woodpile is standing near. So blow away, storm, for harder you go, the warmer she's coming here. I wonder how they get on, mon chien, off on the great big town, where houses so high near touch the sky must be danger of falling down. And worse or two, on the night like this, catching that terrible wind. Oh, little small place like the old cabane was the right place for staying in. I suppose they got plenty bother too, them feller that's be rich, man. For they're never known when thief may come and steal all the thing he can. And the money was kept him busy too. Watching it night and day. Don't know, but we're better off here, mon chien, with big city far away. For I look on the corner over there, and see it my birch canoe. I look on the wall where my rifle hang, along with the good snowshoe, and everything else on the world I got, 
safe on this place near me. And here you are too, my brave old dog, with your nose up again my knee. And here we be stayed through the summer day, when everything's warm and bright. On winter too, when the stormy wind blow like she blow tonight. Let them stay on the city, on great big house, them fellers that be rich men. For we're happy and satisfied here, mon chien, on our own little small cabin. Of course, home sweet home may be what we crave, but it's often far off in the distance. Here's our last poem, in a way, one that brings us full circle. If you remember, we opened with the wreck of the Juniplan. Well, this one, The Wind That Lifts the Fog, is dedicated to those other folks who talk funny, Newfie sailors who braved the wild oceans and who William Henry Drummond knew were just like those unfortunate habitants who sailed the Julie Plant. Here's Kathy Chepesky with The Wind That Lifts the Fog. Over the sea, the schooner boat starved us out is all afloat. Many a fine, brave fisherman sailing away for Newfoundland. Every feller from St. Malo, dems the boy can make her go, tearing along through storm or gale, never sparing an inch of sail. Down below when the night is come, out with the bottle and tinker home. Push it around till bottles strain and drink no more till we're home again. Here's to the wind that lift the fog no matter how she's blowing. North or south, east or west, that is the wind we love the best. Every sailor and young sea dog, here's to the wind that lift the fog and set the ship a-going. Flying o'er the wave she go, starved the south from St. Malo. Never attacked before she ran out on the bank of Newfoundland. Dropped the anchor and let her down, plenty of comrade all around. Fishing away till night is fall, singing away with every haul. Here's to the wind that lift the fog, no matter how she's blowing. North or south, east or west, that is the wind we love the best. Every sailor and young sea dog, here's to the wind that lift the fog and set the ship a-going. Starved us out, did you see the light steaming along that foggy night? Poor little bird, another star shining above so high and far. Dazzle you then and blind the eye, while down below on the sea you lie, anchored there with your broken wing. How could you fly when the sailors sing? Here's to the wind that lift the fog, no matter how she's blowing. North or south, east or west, that is the wind we love the best. Every sailor and young sea dog, here's to the wind that lift the fog and set the ship a-going. There you have it. We hope you heard what we heard. William Henry Drummond, a Canadian poet extraordinaire, a sensitive artist who brings us all a little closer to understanding that we're not all that different, no matter how badly some of us sometimes mangle the Queen's English. A side note, we'd like to dedicate this show to two retired linguists, Enoch Podolsky and Ian Pringle, who the Ottawa Valley almost drove insane about 40 years ago when they were young, aspiring professors from Carleton University and who had decided to come upriver and take a crack at figuring out our famous Ottawa Valley twang. Well, it turns out we do talk funny, but in about 10 distinctly different ways. Apparently, our twang is made up of Highland Scot and Lowland Scottish lexicon, Ulster and Republican Herberno English. British and American idiosyncrasies, high and low German expressions, and especially round Barry's Bay, conflicting Kashub and Pomeranian Polish accents. So next time you absentmindedly greet somebody by saying, G'day, eh? Have pity if you're talking to a young linguist. They're not being condescending if they look at you funny. They're just being themselves. A fellow Canadian, eh? 
I'm Kristen Marshand, and for Leslie Betts, Kathy Chapesky, Rob Filipkowski, Brian and Carol Peterson, and our producer, Barry Conway, we hope we've stirred a bit of that old conquering blood, no matter if it comes from Normandy or Shabugamu, Edinburgh or Belfast, London or New York, Dusseldorf or Hamburg, Gdansk or Warsaw. Good day, and God bless. Thank <laughs> you.